Yeah, well, it was interesting, those conversations I had with my grandmother, because we had to peel back the layers, you know? Yeah, and that's what we sort of found out, you know? A lot of it went back to the early anthropologists and stuff like that. The Tohunga Suppression Act, mm. the Mea you know? It was all about policy and legislation, you know? And the abolishment of Tonga and all those things. And, and with the real moko was one of the ones right up on the list, you know? If not first on the list... Stuart MacDonald is a tāmoko artist and director of Te Rua Moko or Moana Moko, a collective of artists based in Tauranga. For the best part of a decade, Stuart has mentored other artists and continues to do so today. He and the collective are part of the resurgence of the traditional art form guided by Māori values and tikanga. The practice of moko has taken stew around the world and he's keen to share it with anyone who wants to learn, both Māori and non-Māori. For him, it's about the transmission of knowledge, mā tauranga Māori. O te tāo tōku māma mau o te maunga tauranga te moana, a ko ahi pautu taku papokainga, ko ahi pautu taku marae, ko ahi pautu anō taku whare moko. A te taho tōku pāpa, ko pōtuki o reu a te maunga, ko te rau o te moa, te waka, ko Ngāti Maika, te apu, a ko au, ko te awa, ko te awa, ko au, rerenu mai te tihi o tonga riro taino atu ki te moa no rau kawa kawa, koe nga aku tātai whakapapa ki taku pāpa. In this series, we revisit Tāmoko. You may recall a month ago we profiled Wahine Māori, Māori women artists, Julia Palmer Pingali, Anikaro Harawira, and Papadli. This time we join Stu McDonald and in upcoming weeks, Sai McLeod, Maya Farikura, and Richard Francis, who talk about the art form. E aku nui e aku rahi, no mai haramai anō ki tēnei o ngā kaupapa, he matapihi ki te ao Māori. Ko Justin Maria Ho, this is Tiahika on RNZ National. Wearing Mukukowai runs in his family. Here, his mother, Mate Moana MacDonald, a councillor on the Bay of Plenty Regional Council, talks about the heritage of Muku in her family. On, on both my father's side of the family and my and my mother's farm, where I have um, tupuna who are wearers of the of the mokokowai. So it's on my father's my um, my tupuna fire uh, named Raihi, uh, no Demotere or Aotea, uh, no te, uh, Iwi or Ngati Riwa, Ngati Wai, uh, wore the moko. And then my grandmother, Titi Huya, uh, Ngātiahi, Ngāti Ranginui, wore the moko. And my mother um, was the youngest sibling, uh, youngest child of Titi Huya, and the only, um, only one in her generation that wore the moko, albeit it was quite late in life that she wore it. And I... Um, I wanted to carry the tradition of both my father's side and my mother's side into uh, into contemporary times wearing the momoko, so we maintain that tradition. From St Stephen's Boarding School in Auckland, Stu then headed to Waikato University. Tamako, those early stages of you, um, you know, paint or writing on walls and having a tutu with uh, the Inket school. Um, when you left Waikato University, did you were you pursuing Tamako more? Well, it was, ma- it was a way to get a feed, sort of, eh? 
Being know. a broke student, that's all of life. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, back then too, like it was different. Eh? It wasn't commercialised back then the way it is now. You, you couldn't make a living out of it back then. You know, like even now, if you would ask me twenty years ago if I'd travel around the world and make a living out of doing tattoos, I would have thought you were crazy, sort of thing. Eh? You know, I, I sort of feel blessed that I saw it all. You know, like and I was amongst it in the renaissance period and all that sort of stuff you know but then in saying that like the the issues that have come with globalization and commercialization of the tonga are huge you know and like it'll be hard to actually undo some of the stuff for a lot of people it's a dormant it's aesthetically pleasing and all those sorts of things you know like but the like my big push in the last probably five years has been like getting it back into the world of water, you know or reinstating those things just through the grief that I've been through with losing a child and stuff like that mm. like how Moko has actually you know I've healed people in the past he'll help them heal their grief through going through a huge grief myself I actually realize in the actual true man of it you know and what it can actually do if we sort of put ourselves in that headspace again and and um, yeah, educate more people let people to sort of build the belief system behind it again because what a lot of you know, like a dormant was like the last thing on our and it's like, well, that's what I just feel when I when I think of them, and you know, and I can feel them resonating in me. I feel like they're telling me that a dormant was the last thing. You know, that's why I mean, when you look at some of the old Goldie and Lindell paintings, yes. that's why those old men only have half a tifana or half a pawaha. But you know, like today, like when I say to fellas, oh no, I'm only going to do your nose, it's like their ego is damaged and they think oh if I only get my nose then people are going to say oh couldn't you handle it or you oh, know okay. they feel awkward by the way it, the sense of the way it looks you know which tells me sometimes you know it's not right in their heart you know you know if you look at my Taino over there we're all in we're all in progress see mm. so Hepper the youngest one's only got his nose oh, okay. Karim the next one has only got this part I've got this part but still haven't got the edges and the top finish you know but it's sort of like we're trying to be a living example to people that it's not about what it looks like you know that should be the last thing on your mind yes. you shouldn't be worried if people are judging you and saying oh why don't you get it all done you know so oh, are you too scared sort of thing or you know or was it mum why couldn't you handle it or you know was there something wrong with the person who done it but not realising that you've got to peel back all those layers to go on the journey you know? so when you say I'm just going to do the nose first is that you having an understanding of the recipient like why wouldn't you go more than the nose do you have an idea of you that are, person I just don't think in our time we would have done it either like if you know that's what I'm oh, saying okay, you know, yeah. like this whole thing of time has actually transgressed from the tattoo industry you know what I mean and things mm-hmm. like hourly rates and people's time is now determining like those sorts of things. Stu is a kayako, a teacher at Te Farekura o Mauau. These days his time is split between his schoolwork and tāmoko, Artist and carver, he paratepa no tauranga moana me tuhoi, has worked alongside Stu for the past 12 years. He is doing some work at Stu's home, which has been transformed into a wānanga, a marae space. So at the moment we're just doing all the prep, we're in the preparation phase of getting our, our wood ready, painting them, yeah. getting all the undercoats done and hopefully we get to put it up in the next week. You're one of the artists here at Moanamoko? Uh, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, be found by our parata during school actually 
And so yeah, I've been a part of our OP since 2006, leaving Kura. Pretty long. Um, you're a practicing artist as well. Uh, I I um I went through Kura Kopapa Māori or Te Pau, um, and there I found a want or a, a need to pursue my mahi toi or, or, or the the arts passed down by our tupuna. I found that uh, at our kura, and then I was lucky enough to meet uh, Stu while I was at Mount College, a student there. Uh, I had a few huarahis planned out, but the way my stars turned out, uh, I just uh, ended up staying close to my big brother and being a whore piri pono to him, and I've never looked back, so here I am. Meanwhile, inside the studio space, Stu is with a client working on a tāmoko on the chest area. Can you just quickly explain what you've done this morning? Oh, well, I had a consultation with Matua Paul probably maybe a month ago, and then from that point it's sort of just been design process, further discussions with him about placement and stuff like that. Yeah, and so last, oh, this is our third session. And today we're sort of just um, yeah making more additions. Like we did a shading session last week. Usually sessions will consist of line work or or shading work. So yeah, today's a bit of both. Um, I'll do a little bit of lining and shading today, um, and sort of set up the next piece of the moko to do some colour work, um, which might be his last session, or we might do one more after that. Oh, so oh, so the aim is to finish, but if not, there's one more session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'll, I'll have a talk with him at the end of this because we've sort of encapsulated part of his corridor, but there's probably one other part that I reckon might be suited for the back region more so than the front. Yeah, so that we'll, I'll have that discussion with him and see where he wants to take it oh, from there. Yeah. So today's a couple of hours, three hours? or Yeah, I usually do around three, four hour sittings. I, I won't do much longer than that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just for, you know, easy on me and easy on the person that has mm-hmm. to lie there too. Is there a name for this part of the chest? Uh, a uh, yeah, well, the whole moko, like the part that we're working on matuas now, like the shape and form is called tumurangi whenua. Um, it's not necessarily that area of the body, but this particular moko that we're doing for matuas. Tumurangi whenua. Yeah, yeah, that's the stage it's sort of in now. Yeah, yeah. For several years, Moko operated as a business that was located closer to town with overheads and rent to pay. But that changed recently when the pressures of business ownership moved away from the kaupapa or philosophy of tāmoko. So they closed down the business and moved to Stu's home in Matapihi. Not wanting to be restricted by money or time, Stu has adopted other means to run the business. That is, he sits down with his client to discuss their needs. It starts with a corridor, a discussion one-on-one. Stu talks about the exchange of tāmoko between the artist and the client. He uses a Māori philosophy in a contemporary context where money is less important. You come back to your artist too, the more mana that has, you know. So when you lie down, obviously the mana between you and the person doing it and getting it is huge, you know. But now it's like walk in a shop, get one and walk away. Yeah, yeah. So even when we're up here, that's the reason why we've sort of come home too. Yes. So we don't have to worry about things like leases. What did you want to get out of that hole? Yeah, we're sort Um, of motivated by that, eh? especially in my own town. Like I've got one down south. I'd rather do it. 
properly or the best I can with my own. If I can't do it any, if I can't do it at home, you can't do it anywhere. So if I can't look after Tauranga Moana, then I can't look after the Tonga around Aotearoa, then I can't do it around the world, you know, because that's what I noticed. I went around the world and came home and I realised that no matter where I went in the world, like, there was only actually going to be a few people that I could influence and say, look, don't do it like that. If you're going to do it, do it like this, you know. So I'll have artists emailing me from all over the world going, bro, should I use this mic? Bro, should I use this mic? And then even some people will go, ah, don't give me your mātauranga to them, you know. But then I'm like, but then that's only me losing out. You know, it's only my mātauranga, but then it's the tonga, you know, like it's my tonga. It's It's power and sharing. My tonga is way more than me, you know, and the tonga will be here when I'm gone. But I'd come home and I'd talk to the old ones, even my grandmother, who was sort of my like my guide, would often question why I would go all the way over the world just to (laughs) see someone for two weeks to say, no, don't do it like that, do it like this, you know. Is this your fellow Māori artists overseas doing their own? No, no, like even I've got a lot of European friends. Because that's what I mean, eh? They've, you, you, you'll get a, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? you'll get a Norwegian who can do Asian, Tahitian, Maori, Samoan. <laughs> they get do it all, eh? Because it's all on the internet. And these guys are awesome artists. They can do anything, you know, paint anything, draw anything. So these so, are the people that you're yeah. going to insane. Yes, I'll just travel and I'll meet them and I'll see them at conventions oh, and you. they'll be doing it and I'll just say, "Oh, do you know what you're doing?" <laughs> do they feel shy when... Oh, some do and some don't. Yeah, some are like, nah, man, it's just part of the industry, bro, you know. But uh, interesting, I had an Italian my follow one day and, oh, man, he drove me out the wall. And I, and, I, and I must admit, I was damning him when I left, but when the next day he came back and, yeah, moi moia, you know. True, so he had a dream. Yeah, come back the next day and he was like, oh, I'm never going to do it again. Here, here's all my pictures. Here's. I was like, I didn't, I didn't say that, bro. I was just saying, you should educate yourself before you do it, you know, because all those markings have philosophies and names and the ancient men and people have worn them on their bodies for over hundreds of years, so Is they've actually right, got energy. Is this oh, yeah. with, with social media, though, do you feel like you can share it? get more information out there to better educate yeah, people? Yeah, well, we're sort of just sort of starting on a small level, eh, you know? Like, that's the only thing with the social media, though, eh? It's not you, eh? You know, there's nothing like kanoiki to kanoiki. Yes, so yeah, sometimes yeah. you just got to get up and go, you know? I haven't gone for a few years and the cousins just stopped going, but we've got younger artists now that sort of do the convention scene for us and sort yes. of uphold that part of it. Because I found when I had a shop over here, we were getting caught up with leases and marketing and promos and all, all the sort of things. stuff thing. that it takes to run a business. To eh? run a business, eh? mm-hmm. you know. And not, and not saying that you can't do it the other way, but, you know, you need certain luxuries <laughs> so you can do it, eh? you mm. know, like being able to do it in your house. And, and I suppose that's why I should be thankful to my wife, you know. She's been a rugby widow, a moko widow, and, mm. and now she's just surrounded by people every day eh? from having me not here all the time it's like me, my cousins, my little brothers, yeah. my sisters and, and cousins and getting that separation of business and home life eh? you know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's a little bit disruptive I suppose yeah, 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 yeah. And, and just trying to find that balance eh? so it's life eh? Tanya Cotter is also part of Moana Moko her portrait was painted by street artist Owen Dippy here she talks about the philosophy of tamuko. My role with Murabuko is 
is kind of to balance out the male male energy. There's a huge male energy involved uh, uh, around Tamuko, um, and that's probably got to do with the whakapapa of Tamuko coming from Uetonga and Matora into Te Marama and the perception around Tamuko is that it's uh, male dominated, but um, that's not the case at all. And I think that's a big reason for the reclamation of um, the Muku Kauai, which is really the passion um, I have around Tamuku is to reclaim, revitalise, reinvent the art form of Muku Kauai. Uh, that's what my Muku represents. It represents the um, Maraikura, Nā Maraikura, Hini Titama, Hini Ahuone and Hini Nui Te Pō. Within all that, all the goddesses that Hiniti, we were all the goddesses that are part of our wahine tanga, our feminine essence. So yeah, I wanted to celebrate my feminine essence with with the um, highest form of beautification, I believe, for Māori woman by taking on the muko kauai. Stu wears a facial tamoko or a mataora. He says it will be completed over time. When did you and how did you make that decision to to get mataora? Probably about 10 years ago now. I'll probably get a little bit done every two years. Oh, yep. On average, if you were to look at it like that. Was it a natural decision, a big decision, or not really? Oh, I think it was a big decision for the ones around me, eh? You know, to get used to the idea that I'll look like this sort of thing, you know? And, yeah, it wasn't hard because I had that... Like, you know, I got the tattoo of my grandmother, who was 83, and wow. did her kowai. And, and your grandmother was Rangi Whakae. Walker. Very yeah. prominent Tauranga Moana Kuiya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, blessed really to go through that experience with my grandmother, which sort of, you know, like, I suppose it was like a, almost like a nine-year conversation with her about the whole idea of actually, you know, first or foremost myself starting to do it and then her the possibility of her maybe getting one or growing out of the idea that her her mother had one her grandmother had one and you know this whole now your mother has now my mother you know and just that whole thing of saying to obviously our family were wearers you know and maintaining that link uh, to the wearers that had gone before us you know and I think that was one of the probably one of the profound statements for my nan that made her think oh yeah he could be onto something you know because we'd have rich debates my grandmother and I you know I actually miss her for it you know mm. whether it was about the tikanga or the real or the survival of a tonga or you know and so those were the questions that we ultimately had to unpack while we were trying to encourage or or, or, or to sort of raise her belief system in the moko to actually obtain it you know and go through and wear it yeah and I think now I'm, I'm so grateful that we did it because when I meet people that are struggling psychologically to get themselves in the space to actually lie down and get it done uh, then I can you know actually walk them through the journey Mm. first and foremost through my grandmother and then how she guided me about getting it you know and also how my whanau guided guided me around getting it and done like that you know yeah yeah because you had been doing tamoko for years and years before before yeah 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 did you um did you dream about getting your matawara done? Oh, Did you yeah. have those sorts of oh, things? Oh, vivid ones. Vivid ones, you know, like the point where it's on the wall and I can see it on the wall oh, and waking goodness. up and drawing it and, and then sitting with it for days wondering what does it mean and then 
having friends that were matakite and tohunga would turn up and had had the same dream and all that profound sort of alignments, you know, and I, and I mean, they don't happen for everyone sort of thing, so I just thought, you know, I don't need any more signs sort of thing, like, this is going to happen, you know. And, and like, I've always, you know, been staunchly into the wairua, but when stuff like that happens, it's sort of like next-level stuff, eh? You know, like I'm saying, things happen in your life, and there's things that you should be marking and taking record of, you know, so... You can share that marking in that record with someone that goes with it. Which has been interesting because, like, when I've made the choice consciously to mark myself with Moko Moko Kiri Hai Hai is the old name for Moko associated to Tangianga. That whole physical balancing act of emotional pain and spiritual pain. So now it's time to level it out with a bit of physical, you know, and then have that physical metaphor or reference to that person or that time or that event. Um, so you can be transported back there, you know? Yeah. And so with my dad, like, he was scared of the shame it might bring upon his grandkids by having a father that was with them that had this, you know? So I would be judged and then his mokos would be judged, yeah. you know? And so he had that sort of mamai and then I knew he was going to say no to, so I sort of left him for last. And then when I went to see him, we had this discussion and... Um, at one point it got pretty heated and I said, well, I'm a man anyway. And then he said to me, he said, well, if you're a man, how come you're asking everyone? You know, and I thought, what a lesson from my dad, you know. And and, and at that very moment I had a newfound, I had a newfound respect for him in an instant, you know, because he was right, you know. Like if I was truly strong enough in who I was as a Māori and my identity and as a father and a husband and as a teacher and all these things in my community that I was already doing... And why people thought I should get one, like, why did I have to ask, you know? Yeah. And then with that, I went back to my nan, who I asked first. And then when I went back to my nan, I, I said to her, so, so do I deserve it? Because, you know, this is what he's challenged me with. And, like, I'm sort of... And, and then she just looked at me and she said, well, you were born for it anyway. It's just when you make your bloody mind up to get it, <laughs> you yeah. know? And I thought... Yeah, she goes, and that's all he's saying to you too, is that, like, you shouldn't have gone to, gone around and asked for permission. You should have been asking for guidance. Stu's late grandmother, Rangi Whakeuhu Walker, was a major influence in his life. She was an educator and an integral part of the Kohanga Reo movement in Tauranga. She passed away in 2013. Yeah, well, it was interesting, those conversations I had with my grandmother, because we had to peel back the layers, you know? Yeah, and that's what we sort of found out, you know? A lot of it went back to the early anthropologists and stuff like that, the Tohunga Suppression Act, Mm. you know? It was all about policy and legislation, you know, and the abolishment of Tonga and all those things. And and with the real moko was one of the ones right up on the list, you know, if not first on the list. um, We were still speaking Māori, but we didn't have mokos, you know? Um, but there was one thing that really, they, they really knew there was something in that, you know. That's why it sort of makes me sad today that that part of it still hasn't been recognised by a large percentage of our population as Māori people. Is that the actual manner of it? That's like our kids coming through now are the ones I worry about because they're coming into this world and this how it is, you know. You can walk around the corner and get a moko. There's about four people in this little community doing it. Really? Yeah. 
You know I can name one, two, three. Oh, plus these ones here, these, these five of us just in this little community that are doing, oh, no, there's six, actually. You know, but that's what I mean. Like, when I started, like, I would have been the only one in Tauranga for that's, ages. Yeah, yeah. You know, but now there's, like, ten shops, over 15 to 20 mokoaras, you know, but how many of them are upholding up, up tikam and old practices and all that sort of thing, you know? So if they tattoo 100 people each year, that's 1,000 plus people every year for the next, that is sort of, you know, like, what are they getting? Is it a tattoo or a muko, you know? And, that, and that's my big issue, that's my big challenge to younger artists is, like, do more learning around it, you know? Recently, Moanamoko opened a brand new studio in Dunedin. Upcoming projects include the opening of their new Wānanga space and Stu continues to work with young people. So I just went down and did a couple of moko lectures down wow, there and then, cool. and then you know, just met a few more of the locals down there and then just started tattooing them in between taking the kids down for trips and stuff like that and then working at the art school and yeah and it was just born out of that met one of the toa down there one of the old kuyas that were moko down there and she sort of expressed her concern about no one doing it oh. you know around that that area Otiputi Murihuku and a lot of people were heading north either to Otautahi or going all the way back up north um, to get their moko done mm. yeah and so it was born out of that, and I had a, I was lucky I had a young apprentice up here who was from the south who was ready to move back down south, so it just all like, lined up really, and yeah, so it's been the second year with an open shop down there. But I'd probably been tattooing down there for maybe four years. I got sick of international travel, so I was just trying to, I suppose, get destinations around New Zealand where I could go more frequently. Yeah, yeah and I'd always done like the... The, the armed forces, you know, I'd always gone to um, to Tawamoana and to Matawinga and always done them, and so that's always been an option. But yeah, just sort of looking outside, I suppose, of the North Island too, you know, and just sort of always had a love for the South Island. Had friends that lived there and had always gone on holidays down there, and um, yeah, we're hopefully going to be up op- like fully operational, like have our carving shed and our. Our studio up and pumping by next Christmas is the sort of desire. And um, you can sort of run more uh, rangatahi programs out of here and stuff like that, eh? you know. Like I do heaps of the rangatahi around the morning. But um, yeah, I want to do it more here on the kainga and sort of give... I just want to get back to that old style of living, really, you know, village life. That's my big dream for here. Oh, yeah. old school Papa Kangas, eh? You know, not like these new ones. Yeah, not like these new ones where there are flashes and there's no garden and fences. And... Yeah, I always used to listen to my nan and how she grew up, and you know, I, Simple I dream of it, eh? You know, and dream of it for my kids. And I want them to know they can come somewhere where they can just be Māori too, you know, but you have to be Māori. <laughs> so you have to get in the car and trying to create a lifestyle where I could just be Māori all the time and not have to worry about it, you know. Kia ora, Stu MacDonald, artist no Tauranga Moana. Next week we join up with Richard Francis, tāmoko artist, rugby coach and exponent of Kapahaka. He mihi tēnei kia koutou katoa e whakarongo mai ana ki tēnei teihana o te mutu e kia nei ko te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Atu i tērā, he mihi anō ki ngā kai kōrero, Stu MacDonald, Tanya Kota, Mate Moana MacDonald and Hepara Tepa. Me hoki mai koutou a te rātapu e tū mai nei, mauri tū, mauri ora. 
Sunshine on the water is still golden, though the water keeps on moving. And you would smile just as easily if you could see what I see. Wild and unruly is as worthy of attention as calm and undemanding. And you have my attention, not just now, but forever willingly. Oh, and what is now familiar when you go will go with you. Hold on to the beauty that you know. And Remember to hold your head high if you fall or falter like sunshine on the water, you were golden no matter where you are. They say love can move a mountain. Well, yours is here forever, waiting just to claim you. And you can climb as high as you must go to see the ocean meet the sky. Oh, and sometimes we are dreamers, now and then believers. Hold on to memory and hope. Remember to hold your head high if you fall or falter like sunshine on the water. You were golden, no matter where you are. Like sunshine on the water, you were golden, no matter where you are.